Enchanted Ears podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Disney. I'm Angela. And I'm Joe. And on today's episode, we're going to be ranking the Walt Disney World Park icons. And we would love to hear all of your picks, so be sure to head over to our Facebook page. We're Enchanted Ears over on Facebook. Uh, and let us know what your picks are after listening to the show. But before we get into that, I want to touch on a few items of Disney news of the week. The big news of the week, I think, is that Gal Gadot has been cast as the evil queen in the live-action Snow White remake. So she will star opposite Rachel Zegler, um, who is going to be, I think, having her big-screen debut whenever West Side Story comes out. I think it's going to come out this December. It's been delayed with the pandemic and everything, but she's been cast as Snow White. So very exciting. I think Gal Gadot will be a very good evil queen. Um, I think it's going to make it interesting because Gal Gadot is a – pretty attractive woman and yes. so the fact that the queen's going to be like how can i be more attractive is i think going to be a little bit funny which i think yeah. was kind of part of the even in the original it was like the evil queen why not just make yourself look better instead of making yourself ugly and try to trick snow white but right and um, also i mean arguably she was more beautiful than snow white so she didn't have to worry in the about original it. yeah but again, I mean, I do think that is a little bit of the trap of beauty, though, too, where you think that you're never good enough. Yeah, but I think this is good casting. I think Gal Gadot will be a, a really good evil queen. Yeah, absolutely. I think that this movie, you know, Snow White is probably, I, I don't mean to make anybody cringe, but probably one of my least favorite Disney movies. I appreciate it for the history. So I'm interested to see what they do with it. And I think that there's a good social commentary that they can also bring with this movie, like I just mentioned. Yeah, I think this is a good one to do live action. I think this is very similar to Cinderella, where that is has been seen as one of the better live action movies because they updated the story. To your point, they they added more to it. It wasn't just you know a, a frame for frame recreation. Whereas you know Aladdin, The Lion King, they're so recent. You remember the original very easily. But you know with a movie like Snow White that came out in the late 30s, there's probably a lot of people that have not seen this movie. And also that was kind of the, really the first full length animated movie so there's there's definitely a lot that you can improve on like the the original like you said didn't have much of a plot or a story to it so i think this is a really good one where you can touch on the classics but really kind of expand on it the other thing i'm i'm really excited about which i think bodes well for this being a good movie is that original songs are going to be written by benji pasick and justin paul who were the songwriters for La La Land and The Greatest Showman. Oh. So they're going to be writing original songs for this movie. So I think this is really shaping up to be a really good movie. It goes into production next year. So probably 2023 uh, is when this will hit the big screen. Both those movies have excellent soundtracks. So I I'm, didn't recognize their names, but I'm, in, I'm excited now. Yeah, I think it only could have gotten better if you told me Lin-Manuel was writing the music <laughs> for it. So, But th this should be pretty good. He can't write the music for every movie. I, I think he can. You'd be surprised. All right. And then we finally got some more details on the Run Disney Springtime Surprise that's coming in the beginning of April. So Disney announced what the races are going to be for the weekend. And, and it's interesting because they're doing some uh, mileage that they've never done before. And they're actually having a race at night. And there's not a common theme throughout the whole weekend. So each race is specially themed. So we're getting an Expedition Everest 5K. And this is actually taking place 10 o'clock at night in the Animal Kingdom. So this is the first kind of nighttime race. 
Then they're having a race for the taste 10K, which sounds like it will be themed to Remy and Epcot. And then we're getting a 10 miler, which is this is a mileage that they've never done before, but a Twilight Zone Tower of Terror 10 miler. So each race is kind of distinctive and, and how they advertised it is they're pulling fan favorite uh, races and themes from all the different races and kind of throwing it together this weekend. So it's exciting. If you ever want to do a run Disney race at night, if you ever want to do a 10 miler one, because maybe you're not ready to do a half marathon yet, um, this is kind of the weekend for you. So whenever we actually looked at this this weekend, I, I'm, I have to be honest here. I'm disappointed. Uh, I was expecting a little bit more. I was expecting more of a common theme. The only race that we cannot do is the one that I want to do, which is the 5K at 10 p.m. because it sucks to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I wanted to do that. And also, I love Animal Kingdom. So I think running there at night because it is beautiful and there's, you know, you can go, you're going to go through Pandora and see the light up by a luminescence. I think that would be the coolest race, plus the Yeti and it being Everest themed, I think would be fantastic. The race for the taste 10K will be cool. Um, I hope that there's some sort of food involved with this one. I know it's Remy themed. I hope that they have food at the end. I don't. No, I, I, I don't really see what they're doing with this. And I remember that's the part of doing the half marathon that I remember the most is running around the world showcase. So I feel like I've been there. And then the 10 miler being Tower of Terror themed again, that doesn't really excite me. I'm more of a movie person, not a parks person. So I was looking for, you know, characters from movies being brought in. So none of these really pique my interest as much as the one we can't do because we're going to not be there for it. I do think you're right. Like the Everest one will be cool. I think that'll have the neatest medal with the Yeti. I do think it's interesting that they're having an Expedition Everest one when Everest is scheduled to be closed <laughs> for a refurbishment. So that's kind of interesting there. But yeah, I think like the race for the taste one will probably pull on like the food and wine race that just happened this past weekend. So they tend to have like a party afterwards for for the race contestants i don't know that it's immediately after the race but they do tend to have to kind of a tie into food and wine so i think that's why they're pulling that one um and then you know tower of terror i think they probably needed something for hollywood studios and they've done star wars numerous years and so they want to do something different so tower of terror makes sense but i think it'll be interesting to see to your point what characters they pull out because actually this past weekend was the food and wine race and they actually brought out one of the old submarines from the 20,000 leagues under the sea attraction as a photo op so it was one of the old ride vehicles from there so if they brought that out for the food and wine maybe disney has some things planned for the races this year for unique photo ops that kind of tie into the 50 years of history of the parks or some unique characters that maybe you don't see a lot. So I think that will be interesting to see what they have kind of actually on the course on race day. Well, I will say that my expectations for these races now are pretty low. So whatever they do at the actual race, I think will be impressive because I think that I now um, don't have a very high expectations. Yeah, And we them. plan to run these. So we plan to be there over the weekend. So to your point, the 5k one, we did not plan we didn't schedule to be there uh until friday so that's happening thursday night so we will miss that one unless we do some creative yeah, rearranging kind of, of our, our time yeah i'm okay with missing a 5k race i know you're very excited you Ooh. could pretend like you're running through animal kingdom but 
but yeah, so we we plan though to be there for um, the weekend and do one, maybe both of the 10K and the 10 miler. I just realized that I always say like I can't be up past like 10 o'clock at night, and then I just realized how excited I was for a 10 p.m. race. But I do think that this is maybe the one time I would I would be able to handle and be awake for and excited about being up you know past well past 10 o'clock yeah and it's a 5k so it's, it's going to take you like a half an hour right and the nice thing disney's doing is that's thursday night and then friday there's no race because who would want to do a 10 o'clock race and, and then like you have to be up at 3 a.m the next day for the 5 a.m you know call time for these other races so, right uh, but yeah but looking forward to doing you know one or two of these races over that race weekend all right so let's jump into our main topic power ranking the Walt Disney World park icon. So at Walt Disney World, we have four park icons. We have Tower of Terror, which is Hollywood Studios park icon, Spaceship Earth, uh, which is Epcot's, the Tree of Life, which is Animal Kingdoms, and Cinderella Castle, which is the Magic Kingdom. So before we kind of power rank these and talk about our favorites, give some quick stats on these, kind of tail the tape. Um, and I want to give a shout out to the Disney fandom wiki where I pulled a lot of this information from the tower of terror. It opened July of 1994. This is actually the only park icon that did not open with the park on opening day. It's 199 feet tall, which actually makes it the second highest attraction in Walt Disney world behind Everest at 199.5 feet tall. <laughs> that 0.5 is very important. Yeah. And it's just <laughs> under the 200 foot limit that, Above that, Disney would have to put a beacon on top of it for planes. Well, this is interesting, though, because, you know, you mentioned that this is the only icon that didn't open with the park. And actually, wasn't it not the original park icon for Hollywood Studios or MGM or whatever it was called at the time? Yeah. So the the Sorcerer Hat, when it was added, was the park icon. that When that got removed in 2016, they started using the Tower of Terror as the park icon. I think this one, and kind of getting into our my thoughts here on a little bit about this, so jumping a little bit ahead, but I think this one is the oddest one being a park icon because it's also the only one that's not in the center of the park. Like you would think the Chinese theater, which was their opening day, makes a lot more sense as a park icon. I think maybe because that's a real theater, Disney didn't want to use it as a park icon because maybe then they run into some sort of copyright issues because the fact that it is an actual theater in Hollywood. So they wanted something a little bit more unique. But yeah, it's just odd that the Tower of Terror is what gets chosen uh, as the park icon. Yeah, you're right. It's not in the center of the park. And it, it does. It, it seems like they didn't quite know what they were doing with uh, picking it. But having said that, I mean, I think it does make sense. It's a huge building. It looks really cool whenever they put the projection mapping on it. I know that they do a Toy Story projection mapping on it as well as this new 50th. Projection mapping is really interesting to see. It looks I mean, I don't want to say it's as good as the castle because the castle is just the castle, but it looks excellent in the way that they kind of go through the ar architectural features and highlight them with the projection mapping. And yeah, we'll get more into the kind of the different lighting packages these icons have had throughout the years and kind of some of the different forms they've taken, you know, as we talk about kind of our favorites here. But again, I think probably Disney picked it because it is a unique attraction and fixture and not something that's based on a real world property so it makes it a little bit more unique all right so moving over to epcot you have spaceship earth so this is an 18 story geodesic sphere now this did open with epcot in october of 1982 for a brief time it actually had a mickey mouse 
arm and hand with a wand above it uh, in 2001 for a few years. And I believe they took away the wand and it's just at Epcot. Um, so that was above it for a while. And Ray Bradbury, the author, actually helped design it and write the original storyline for the original attraction that's housed within it. And it weighs almost 16 million pounds. All right, then over at Animal Kingdom, the Tree of Life. Now, this opened with Animal Kingdom uh, as well. It is 145 feet tall, so it is actually the shortest of all the park icons. It has 325 different animal carvings in it, and it's actually, I believe it's the only park icon that has its own backstory. It's the only one that I could find about it, and we've talked about this, but essentially, the idea is that there was an ant who wished that life would come to Discovery Island and this tree began to grow and it kept growing until it had enough limbs for every animal under the alphabet from A to Z. This icon is actually, story is actually built into the kind of fabric of the park, which is unique because don't really feel the other icons have that. There's 103,000 leaves on the tree that were all hand-placed. And this was a fun fact that I found out from researching this. But actually, David Greybeard, who was the famous chimp that was studied by Jane Goodall, was added as a carving to the tree per her request. So she has some sway with the people over at Disney. And he's actually carved into that. And there's a plaque near the theater where it's tough to be a bug theater is talking about his story and he's also added to the tree you told me this this afternoon and i i teared up because i watched the two there are two documentaries on disney's plus about jane goodall which i'm guessing maybe that's how she was able to tell them they were following her around but yeah her relationship with those chimpanzees and what she did for science and what she did for animal science uh it it's so huge and the fact that he is immortalized in that tree is fantastic yeah along with 325 other animals and if anybody has been able to find all 325 i would like to know let us know because if you found all 325 of them i really want to know i feel like i've maybe found 10 i think you got more than 10 (laughs) maybe maybe that's That's a gross underestimation of nowhere near 325 i'll tell you that right now and there's a hidden Mickey on there too. So, all right. And the last one is Cinderella Castle over at the Magic Kingdom. So, this is the oldest of the icons because it opened with the park in 1971. It is 189 feet tall. It's actually twice the height of Sleeping Beauty Castle over at Disneyland. And this is the only one without an attraction in the icon. But even though it doesn't have an attraction, it has a restaurant, Cinderella's Royal Table, and also the Bippity Boppity Boutique. And then as we all know, it has the Cinderella Suite in there that you cannot go to, but it has been raffled off as some of some of the Disney promotions. I think it was the year of a million wishes. Um, a guest got to stay there. And it was a cake briefly uh, for the 25th anniversary. I know we've, we've talked about that before. And I actually found out that when I was uh, younger, we went uh, for a trip right before the 25th anniversary for Disney World. So we were there a couple months before. So we missed out on the cake as the castle, uh, but they had painted it that kind of bright pink. So they were prepping for it. So in the pictures, uh, it's that pink color, but it did not have kind of the cake decorations on it. So we missed that by a few months. And I'm upset about that now because I wish I had a picture uh, with the castle looking like a cake. Yeah, I think that that cake would have been interesting to see. I know that uh, I went a few years after you, and I think that I was back to normal because this is probably one of the biggest faux pas Disney has ever committed. Yeah, I just really wish I had a picture of it. 
Yeah. Especially like I, I didn't know as a kid, like I wouldn't have known, oh, it's a cake or it's not a cake. But now knowing what I know, I'm like, I wish I had a picture in front of this thing. But <laughs> oh, well, just just barely missed it. So. All right. So let's power rank these. And I want to talk about them overall, but then also at night, because at night they completely change. And like you mentioned with Tower of Terror, They've done a lot of projection mapping lately on Tower of Terror. They all have this kind of 50th beacon of magic on them. You know, I think Spaceship Earth is actually the only one without projection mapping, but they have the new kind of individual points of light on there, which can really make it do some unique stuff. So at night, and maybe we can start with this. So at night, Tower of Terror, they have the projection mapping on it. For Christmas, they do the Hollywood Toy Hotel overlay on it. I think the 50th overlay on it looks incredible. Projection mapping really pops on the Tower of Terror, and I think it pops because there's nothing behind it. And so at night, it's very dark behind it, and so it's the only thing lit up, so I think that really helps make it pop. So there's a positive for it not being in the center of the park. You're right. That is a positive to that. So Spaceship Earth, I think, has always looked uh, beautiful with the lighting package. I think the new lights... Um, look great because they can get light everywhere all the way at the top whereas before they kind of shine light on it now they can make it dance it it becomes a a world actually becomes a globe at one point yeah because they're the little points and and it kind of like shoots light in between each of the points so it, it it's more it's more active as you were kind of saying and it could do a little bit more and it it's brighter as well yeah that i think has the longest kind of awakening as part of this 50th beacon of magic because it shimmers and then it turns into a globe and then it changes colors and it shimmers some more. So that one is really impressive. The tree of life, the, the 50th is very similar to the tree of life awakenings that they had started. I think that was in 2016. And those were really great because when animal kingdom started becoming a later night park, they, they added this in there where randomly throughout the night, one of the animals would come to life on the tree and then it'd be a story about them. And that was really impressive to see because the carving would light up and then the animal would come to life. I think that right. is probably one of the best things Disney's ever done in terms of storytelling with the projection right. mapping as just a couple minute kind of vignette. Yeah, this is a, definitely one of my favorites. I think it's a lot of fun. I think it's it, it points out some of the animals that maybe, you know, you don't see because they're everything's the same color, but it actually really will show it to you and then again show it like scampering around the tree or doing whatever it's doing. So I I think that this is a lot of fun. The only knock I have on it is, you know, it only happens kind of at random times. So you don't quite know when to be there for it. So it's not like you can see it all. You have to be patient for that one. And then finally, Cinderella Castle, which has had projection mapping as part of the fireworks shows. I think the best it's ever looked is when it has the castle dream lights on it. When they put 200,000 led lights and they do this over the holidays at christmas time and they make it uh, kind of blue and they have all the icicles on it i think that's probably the best it looks and that's not projection mapping at all that's just physical lights on it mm. but that's probably my favorite nighttime version of the castle i mean no matter what the castle is just so impressive it's it looks incredible i like the castle dream where it's elsa lighting up the castle with the icicles i think that looks absolutely gorgeous and it just kind of stayed like that for a while I think that the lighting on the castle, though, is beautiful. It makes it stand out even more. And it's it's crazy because it already is. It's such a huge icon. I think it 
always looks great with lights on it. Yeah, I will say, I do think the castle in terms of the 50th lighting, I think that is its beacon of magic, its awakening, is probably the weakest out mm. of all of them. Maybe next to the Tree of Life. The Tree of Life is very similar to the awakenings they had with the animals, but it, it, it's a little bit um, muddled on the tree, I think just because it doesn't have the surface area to kind of show a lot. I think really the two best in terms of the current 50th light up is the Tower of Terror. I think that really looks great because it makes it so lively and it's such a contrast to the theme of the attraction hmm. that's in there. And then Spaceship Earth. I think Spaceship Earth really does great. But if I had to kind of power rank these, I'm going to put Spaceship Earth number one because I think at night it's always looked its best at night. And I think even what they've done with the you know enhanced lighting package that it's going to be staying past the 50th anniversary, I think only adds to that. And then I'm going to go Tower of Terror next and then the Tree of Life. But I think probably you could convince me to flip those two because the tree, the tree always looks great um, lit up at night as well. I think what they're starting to do with the projection mapping on the tower help maybe bump it up just a little bit. And then I'm going to go Cinderella Castle last, which is, is interesting um, because that's kind of like probably the icon everybody goes to. But I think at night, the projection wrapping on it looks good, but I don't know that it adds anything to it. Again, like Spaceship Earth. Like I think the lighting adds a whole other level to it. Whereas on Cinderella Castle, the castle itself is so iconic, you don't really want to change that too much with the lighting. And so it makes it a little bit more difficult to stand out separately from the lighting. So how would you rank these four just in terms of kind of nighttime lighting packages and not even, you know, currently, but just kind of overall lighting? I still think that no matter how you light the castle, it still looks gorgeous. So I still think that that's my number one. And that just is because the castle is such a behemoth. And again, it's such a big icon that you don't really have to do too much to it to make it look incredible. Second is the tree of life. And for me, I, I think that this is such a beautiful icon of the park. And I think that whenever they light it up, it just makes certain parts of it come to life. And I think it is really interesting to see. So I think that at night, you know, I'm always surprised. I'm always wondering what's going to be the next animal that comes to life. So I think there's an element of surprise with that one that I really enjoy. And then Spaceship Earth is my third choice. And honestly, I kind of go back and forth with this with the Tree of Life if we're talking about like the lighting packages now, because the new lighting package on Spaceship Earth is incredible. I love the lights. I think that it is beautiful. I want to stare at it. It's mesmerizing. And actually, I think that Disney needs to create little versions, little collectible versions All of that. merch, merch opportunity here. I'm I telling like you, it. they need me to work for their merch department. But That yeah. would be phenomenal. A mini version of that, how it lights up. Because now it does so many different scenarios too. It's not just like one static lighting, how it used to be. It it changes lights and it, and it dances and it moves because it has those LEDs on it. You're right, a, a mini version of that that you could kind of control and, yep. and change on my desk. I want one now. Yeah, exactly. I think that this would be great. Or then you can make a uh, blow up version of this for outside in front of your house for Christmas or something. I mean, oh, like an inflatable. Yeah, an inflatable. Okay. I, I just think that this is such a huge merch opportunity like the kites that it seems like they are missing out on. And so yeah, but they need to sell mini kites and they need to sell mini spaceship births. I agree with that. Yeah. So I think that that one, I, I 
again, I, I loosely say three. I think it in the tree of life kind of can go back and forth. And then I do think the tower looks incredible. Like you said, it does make the architecture come to life. But again, I think the tower is probably the weakest of the park icons. So that's the only reason why it's at four. And honestly, my regular rankings follow the same exact pattern. So Cinderella Castle, number one, then Tree of Life is two, Spaceship Earth, three, and Tower of Terror is four. Just because, you know, again, tower is uh, for all the reasons you brought up, not the center of the park. And, you know, it's kind of changed over time, not always been the park icon. Yeah, I think that's my biggest knock on tower is that, yeah, it just doesn't seem to fit the mold of park icon as the other ones do, where it's something centrally located in the hub. It's something you see right of right away. I mean, you know, Walt's idea when he built Disneyland and having sleep, Sleeping Beauty Castle there in the center of the hub is it's something that when you walk into the park and anywhere you are in the park, it draws your attention to it and it draws you back to the center of the park. And that's what all the other park icons do, whereas Tower of Terror is off to the side. And we've talked about this when we talked about reimagining Hollywood Studios, you know, where we kind of said, hey, if we could start from scratch, how would we design this park? And you can go listen to that episode if you're interested. But basically, one of the things I said is you need to make it kind of like the hub and spoke design of the other ones. It's right. it's too chopped up and kind of piecemeal. And that's one of the biggest problems with it is just navigating it. So I, I guess it, it just kind of fits. Maybe it does fit well with Hollywood Studios that you have your park icon way off to the side <laughs> and nowhere because the whole kind of layout really doesn't make sense. But I think for me, in, in terms of like the overall park icons, I'm going to keep Spaceship Earth uh, number one because again, I think it looks the best at night, but I also think it's the most original. It's something... Just so unique, you would never see it anywhere else. You mean to tell me that there aren't castles other places? Yeah, there, I mean, you're right. There, there are castles other places. <laughs> the Tree of Life is based on a, a baobab tree. So, I mean, that's something that happens in nature. Um, the, you know, the Tower of Terror is a hotel. I mean, there's not a hotel like it somewhere. And again, maybe that's why they didn't choose the Chinese theater because that is, you know, somewhere else. So, there's nothing like Spaceship Earth anywhere else in a theme park kind of anywhere that you could go so i think it's i think it's the most unique it has an attraction which a lot of the other ones have an attraction uh, you know in it as well but it really defines epcot like everybody knows hey that giant golf ball yeah yeah i was just gonna say you know sphere is just such an iconic shape that is nowhere else in our in our lives i mean not, (laughs) not a sphere but yeah but it but it's it's so iconic and it really it stood for epcot when epcot opened and it's highly identifiable to Epcot. Again, every, everybody knows, maybe they don't know it's called Spaceship Earth, but everybody is aware of that. And, and I think a lot of people pe- think it's a Space Mountain. I know I did for a really long time. Yeah, and a lot of people, I mean, maybe more familiar with that than the castle to some extent, because it is, it is so visible to Walt Disney World. But my second one is Cinderella Castle, because that is, I think, kind of the icon that really started icons, because Sleeping Beauty Castle over in Disneyland is great, but it's very small. It's very underwhelming. Cinderella Castle Mm -hmm. is twice as tall as that. And when Disney built Walt Disney World, they knew they had to build something grand. They were were kind of making a statement that this was going to be something bigger in scope than Disneyland. What they were building down in Florida was going to be bigger. 
And this really was kind of the thesis and the centerpiece for that. And it does a great job. I mean, every time you walk into Magic Kingdom and you see that castle, you're still kind of in awe over it and you still feel like I'm back in my happy place. Yeah, it makes you giddy seeing it. It, it just makes you want to um, you like kind of run down Main Street toward the castle. It, it has like this, you know, like it almost beckons you to it. Exactly. And so to me, and I feel that same way about Spaceship Earth as well. So that's why I have Spaceship Earth number one. But yeah, to me, when you have that much of an impact and it, how it, it is just so iconic for Walt Disney World, I think it deserves to be in second place. Even if at night, again, I just don't think a lot of stuff they they do with it is as transformational. And also, I think part of it is because you know they're doing fireworks shows on it, which add some differences to it. So maybe they don't put as much into the lighting and changing it. So maybe it's not as high for me at night, but I think overall, it's a great park icon. After that, I'm going to go with the Tree of Life. Again, I think the Tree of Life being in the center of the park is great. I think having all of the the carvings of the different animals in there is great. And again, it ties into the fabric of that park, about what that park is about. When you walk in and you see it, you immediately understand this is something about nature. This is about animals. This is about conservation. And it in a split second, you kind of drink all that in to steal a term from Jeff <laughs> okay, Goldblum. Okay, Jeff Goldblum, yeah. So, so I think for me, that's the third one. And then fourth is going to be Tower of Terror. Now, again, what they're doing at night with Tower of Terror and for some of the seasonal offerings with the, with the like we talked about, you know, the holidays, the, the Toy Story overlay with the projection mapping, I think really elevates it at night and it makes it kind of a must-see thing at night. But again, because it's not in the middle of the park, it's not like it's a must-see thing during the day. You're, you're going over there to ride Tower of Terror. You're not going over there to see the building. Yeah. Whereas at night, you may go over to see the building and not necessarily ride it. So for me, it just overall isn't elevated above any of the other park icons overall. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree. So I think the only thing we agreed on was that Tower of Terror was last. Yeah, that, that's it. Everything else is is kind of uh, shuffled around for us. But again, we would love to hear our listeners' thoughts. What's your favorite park icon? Do you think Tower of Terror is fourth as well, or would you put it up higher? Be sure to head over to our Facebook page, Enchanted Ears, and let us know over there. We want to thank everybody again for listening this week. If you've not done so, please leave us a rating or a review. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. It really helps, and we really appreciate it. Thanks for lending us your ears. Have a great week, everybody, and we will see you here next Monday. Bye.